check, check, check. Check the bell. Bell check. Episode 200. Fuck, we've been doing this for a long time. Started doing the math on it. I mean, that's effectively saying that we've done this for four years, right? Because there's 52 weeks in a year. But the truth of the matter is the first like 100 episodes, we, in the beginning of the show, we were bi-monthly. So I don't even know how long we've been doing this. It's called the Brand Eye. See if she remembers. Bing, bing, bing. Ding, dong, dong. Bing, bong, bong. Bing, bong, smoke, bong. Bing, dong, ding. Pick up. Hey. <laughs> what up? I did not get home until 1.30 last night. So you're tired too? I'm so tired. I'm tired too. Dude, so I have the watch that like tracks my sleep, right? We've been talking about that. If you set the alarm through that, It'll wait for you not to be in REM sleep to wake you up. To It'll, wake you up. Yeah. And this morning, I didn't wear my watch last night. And this morning, my alarm went off in the middle of a dream. Oh, man. Ooh, and that's the worst. It's the worst. And now I just feel like the rest of my day is going to be groggy as shit. And my dream was cool. I was go for, for whatever reason, I was going back to college. And I was going <laughs> back to college with Bill Murray. And, like, Bill Murray and huh. I were somehow buds. Like, he was, like, really invested in, like, hanging out with me and, like, wanted to make sure that, like, we sat next to each other. But he's also very funny. And also, I, I remember turning to him and I go, Bill, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing here. And he's like, what are you talking about? Why am I back in college? What, what am I doing this for? And I was going back for business school. And I was like, I have a career that I don't need this. I don't need any of this. What am I doing this for? Bill Murray dropped some knowledge and was just like, you know. He was like, well, you're not working much, so. Very true. I mean, I'm working. You needed to come back. I'm working right now. Two hours a week. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I wish it only took me two hours to edit this fucking <laughs> thing. You know how hard it is to polish a turd into a diamond every week? It's not easy. I do not, and I don't want to know. Speaking of, I've been polishing a turd into a diamond for 200 weeks. That's this week? This is this week. This is episode wow. 200. Wow. How has that happened? How have, how, how have the YFTers put up with us for 200 episodes? I was trying to do the math on it before we called you. So effectively, 200 episodes means that we've done this for four years. But the truth of the matter is, like the, for the first 50 to 70 episodes, we were, remember we were bi-monthly? Oh, yeah. It was like rare that we recorded an episode. And then it got to a point where like just hoping to get like one a month for a while because mm -hmm. yep. we were both busy. Do you remember when we first started, like when this first happened? I mean, yeah, we were in the radio studio we in had Nashville. A, I, never, I remember where we were. I'm just asking, do you remember when it was? Like how many years oh, have, like have we been no, doing this? I don't remember anything prior to like two months ago. 2017 we started? Uh, <laughs> that sounds right. Episode number one, August 10th, 2017. Jesus. Oh, you were right. Five years. August 10th. That is insane. People ask me all the time, how long have you had your podcast? I'm like, I don't know, a decade? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. When when was the last Olympics? Probably around then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's pretty insane. It is insane. It's a testament to the YFTers out there for having very lowbrow taste in podcasts. Yes. I don't know what it is about this show that makes you guys want to keep on coming back, but uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for providing the majority of Wells's income. This is the thing that I do that makes me the least <laughs> amount of money, just so you know. <laughs> uh. 
By the way, go buy all the shit that we promote on this show. That'll help. Yeah, that helps. Put a few dollars in his bank account. I need some more money. I'm about to join a golf club, and when you do that, you're just... That's the most middle-aged guy thing that you can do, I think, is join oh, a golf the club. the most. There's nothing, Are you kidding? Nothing more than that. It, it also kind of seems like I'm going through a midlife crisis. I'm taking flying lessons. I'm joining yep. a country club. I'm restoring yep. old cars. I am wow. that guy. I need a goatee, some fucking New Balance, oh some... Hey, those are in. And I need some cargo shorts. No. And I need to start like reading novels about submarines and World War II. Yeah. And then I'm just a dad. I'm just a guy. I'm just a guy. I'm a rad dad. Maybe drop the rad. Oh, all right. Well, it's fine. So oh. golf. So you you were golfing this past weekend. I saw Ben almost says he got another hole in one. Almost. Yeah, I wasn't playing with him when that happened, but I saw how okay. far he was. I got closer. I put one like two inches away. Ooh, way to one up him. Well, I you know credit where credit is due. I think Ben beat me overall. The first day I beat him, the second day he beat me the first round, the second round I beat him, the third round I think he beat me, the fourth round I beat him, so I think we're tied, and the fifth round he beat me. Wow. Yeah, and then we played a game called Stableford where like every hole's worth a certain number of points, and he wow. actually did beat me in that. He won the whole thing, so... Wow. Go Ben. Go Ben. And we had so much fun. We were in Utah. I mean, we were in this place called Washington, Utah, or St. George, Mesquite, Nevada, Washington, Utah. Great courses over there, guys. Go check it out if you're a golfer. Probably not. Speaking of golf, one of my favorite things happened just this past weekend. The Masters was happening. Oh, was it? Big fan of the Masters. If uh -huh. there's any YFTers out there that has a connection to Augusta National and like their dad is a member and they can take me out to play... <laughs> I will go and I will do anything for that person. We were talking about wow. we were talking about this. So this is such a golf dork thing, but actually a lot of wife tears boyfriends can relate. How much would you pay to play Augusta National? And I just threw out I'll pay ten thousand dollars right now. That's fucking crazy. Ten thousand dollars. If anyone knows anybody who is a member of Augusta National, I will cut a check for ten thousand dollars if you can get me on that fucking course. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard you say. It's not. It's the $10, most. $10,000? $10,000. And you know what? You know what? The, the truth of the matter is, if I had a little more money in my, my bank account, I would well, double that. No. Yeah. Play golf one time. That is the most absurd thing I've ever he heard come out of your mouth, and that says a lot. Yeah, I know. Proud of Scotty Scheffler. He's from Dallas, from the Big D. Played well. He's a uh -huh. God-fearing boy. Seems like a very nice guy. Fucking beat that ass. I was rooting for Cam Smith because he's got a mullet and a mustache and he's from Australia mm. and he likes to God. fish and drink beer on the weekends with his buds, but he didn't oh. win. But you know what? I was in a master's pool and your boy did win. $832. Oh, Boom. Seems like you need to be winning some more if you're paying 10 grand to play somewhere. No one's offered it to me. But if anyone's honestly dead, dead ass serious, if anyone hits me up, I will, I will cut you a check for $10,000. That is the most psychotic thing to me. Yeah, well, I'm a rad dad over here, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget why I have tears coming up tomorrow night. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, we are going to be doing a live on mm -hmm. YouTube. Everyone is invited. We're going to party down. Brandy's going to get drunk and 
take her shirt yep. off. Nope. Helicoptered around <laughs> over her head. Maybe. It's not happening. But yeah. I am going to have a drink with you guys, and I can't wait. Head over to the uh, the Insta page for all the information about that. Anyways, um, how was the how was you, your week? You were in in Vegas. I was in Viva Las Vegas. You know, it was good. However, I don't know like what's going on. It's like I hate to say like bad luck is following me mm. because nothing like super super bad has happened. You know, we survived the lightning strike in South America, so that's great. True and stuff and. But I get to Las Vegas and it's been like 96 degrees and sunny all week. And I get there and it's fucking cold. So that sucked. And yeah. then we wake up yesterday morning in Vegas and we look outside and we're like, why does it look so foggy outside? And it looks so strange. And then we go outside and the it's the wind gusts are like a thousand miles an hour, literally like blowing us over like we can't stand up. The palm trees are swaying so hard they look like they're about to snap. We're like, what's happening here? Apparently... Massive dust storm rolls through Las Vegas all day yesterday, and we're getting like emergency weather alerts from our phone that's like, don't drive, stay alive, like crazy alerts popping up on the phone because of this dust storm, but we're supposed to fly out. So we were freaking out. I mean, it's all over, it was all over all the Las Vegas Instagram accounts are like, this never happens in Las Vegas. Like maybe once a year we see this. This is crazy. And we're like, of course, it's the one day that I'm here trying to travel. Were you able we to get were out? delayed, 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 of course, for so long. Finally, um, I think they had a schedule to leave at like 7 p.m. And this like dust storm was supposed to expire right around then. And But I, I was torn. I was like, I want to go home so bad. I don't want to fly in this. This is terrifying. I mean, we watched a couple planes land from the airport and they're like, they're like going like this landing, like sideways, you know, mm -hmm. like just swaying in these like insane wind gusts. And I'm like, I'm so scared. So we did take off. It was a bit scary. It was very swooshy, if you will. Swooshy. But I made it home. But I'm like, what else could happen to me? Like, what is going on here? Like a dust storm that never happens. And I will say like driving to the airport, there was like not a whole lot of visibility. Like I've never seen anything like it. Have you ever been in a dust storm? Yes, I have. Where? Lake Mead, Nevada, which is actually very close to <laughs> Vegas. Very close to Las Vegas. Yeah, and it's crazy. It's scary. We were on a houseboat in Lake Mead during a dust storm, and that's just crazy because, you know, you're basically on a double wide that's a, that's floating, being held together by pixie sticks, cardboard, <laughs> duct tape, and faith in Jesus. Was the boat like sweat? Like, could you feel the wind like pushing the boat on the water? I'm sure you could. You have to go into a cove and you have to dock. And so what you have to do is you have to nail oh. down these giant stakes and then tie it off. Oh. But while the boat is going back and forth, like trying to get enough like manpower to like tie it down sufficiently is hard to do, especially mm -hmm. for a bunch of rad dads. The fact that they allow just <laughs> anybody to rent a houseboat and oh, then yeah, just take right. it out is ridiculous. We've been doing it since we were kids. I've gone through the training seminar. It's 30 minutes long to explain how to drive a houseboat and not die. It's yeah, crazy. I agree. But i tell you what, houseboating is one of my favorite things. Never I mean, done it. Oh my God. It's the, it's, honestly, you need to do it. It is the best trip ever. Like we used to, really? my dad was a doctor. We were in, well off and everything. And so we would go houseboating every year. You get a, a ski boat and you go skiing and wakeboarding and tubing mm -hmm. behind it. And you just float around the lake. And when you get hot, you stop and you jump in. You'd fish at night and get a cocktail hour. And then you go and you tie down at night and at a little cove. And then you just hang out and roast marshmallows. The best fucking thing in the world. There was one year that my dad was like, you know what? Like, we're going to up the ante. We chartered a sailboat, a yacht. 
and went around the Caribbean. And in his mind, he was Whoa. like, this is going to be houseboating, but to the nth degree. It's happened like St. Bart's and, you know, all Ooh. those places. And the next year, he's like, what do you guys want to do? And we were all like, fuck that trip. Houseboat in Vegas, baby! <laughs> so, Ooh. listen, white trash at heart. That's all I'm going to say. I was going to say, it sounds like the redneck version of yachting. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Redneck Yacht Club. That's a song. Did you know that? It is. It doesn't shock me. <laughs> There's no signing up, no monthly dues. Take your Johnson, your Mercury, or your Evan Rude. Fired up. Beat us out at Party Cove. Come on in, the water's fine. Just idle on over and toss us a line. I mean, Insane. say what you want about country music these days, but <laughs> Craig Morgan, that's a fucking hit, bro. Oh, my God. All right. Continue on with your story. <laughs> no, I was I was saying that I at the at the Virgin Hotel this past weekend in Vegas, it was their first ever country crossover weekend. They wanted country music like mixed in with top 40 and stuff in yeah. open format, which I don't normally like to do because I don't really listen to country music, at least not new country. So I'm like downloading songs before. I'm like, I got to have a few like new songs or whatever that people know. And we're listening to these country songs. And I'm like, how are these real? Yeah. Like it is one margarita, two margarita, <laughs> three margarita shot. And it hits like people are like, yeah, like, <laughs> it is fucking crazy to me. It's insane. To be a songwriter on Music Row right now has got to be, it's got to be either, either the dumbest job or the yeah. or the easiest job. I don't know which one. <laughs> It'll buy me a boat. <laughs> Redneck It'll yacht club. It'll buy me a truck to pull it. We should start the show actually. We oh have, god, yeah, we're like yeah. 20 minutes in. Yeah, we're we're a good bit bites in. Do you want to do the 200th episode? Sure, I'd love to. I'd, I'd be honored. Go for it. Bro Knows. You're listening to the 200th episode of Your Favorite Thing podcast with Wells and Brandy. We made it. All right, guys, airport anxiety, it's a real thing. Between constantly checking my pockets for my ID or forgetting the gate number, even though I just looked at my boarding pass, I'm stressed. But here's the thing if you travel with base, your bag has the function and the fashion to keep you calm, carefree, and looking good. Sarah and I have been using base luggage for years, long before they even started sponsoring the show. Truly, I have a bunch of base luggage and I love it all. My absolute favorite piece, though, is the convertible weekender bag. I have it in three colors because I literally take it everywhere. And the best part is the bottom compartment unzips completely if you get the convertible bag because sometimes I don't need that extra space. So I just take the top part. But other times, you know, like I refuse to check a bag. So that really helps me out. So you guys got to check it out. Every piece made by Bays is made to look better with miles. 
miles, so you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. And Bays has over 30,000 five-star reviews. Whether you're packing for a quick trip or looking to breeze through the security line, Bays has your personal items covered. And right now, Bays is offering our listeners out there 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash YFT. Go to basetravel.com slash YFT for 15% off your first purchase. That's base, B-E-I-S, travel.com slash YFT. Like, do you think there's going to be a thousandth episode? No. I don't think so either. When, when <laughs> there's do you, no way people are putting up with us for that long. When do you think this putters out? You think 400? Think we'll do two, two more years? I was going to say, maybe we'll make it to 300. I don't know. Yeah. Here's to hoping. But we do really appreciate all the people that listen to the show. I find it very ridiculous. I also find it very funny when people, when I've run into people who do listen to the show and they're like, oh, I love your show. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I, that's my reaction. Really? Too, like, you do? I'm like, thank you. But like, really? What is it? What is it about this show that you find entertaining at all? Oh, God. Well, you got some favorite things, bro? Bro. Bro. Have you seen the ultimatum? Oh, my God. I am dick deep in the ultimatum. I'm like. Have I, you finished it or no? No, I'm at the part where okay, the good. second living together situation is happening now. Okay, great. I was watching this morning and I have like 15 minutes left of the finale. And so oh. I was like, please, God, don't let Wells have seen this because yeah. he's going to want to ruin it and talk about it. No. So that's great. Okay. So if you don't know what we're it's talking better about. better than Love is Blind, right? Well, it's a little more real than Love is Blind. To me, Love is Blind is a little silly because love isn't blind. Right. As much as everyone hates that one guy who says, like, love's blurry, it's true. Like, there's a big part of, like, getting married. You need to be kind of like what the person looks like. You know? I'm sorry. It's true. Like, as much as everyone hates that guy, I forget his name now, but, like. Uh, I forget. What Shake. Shake, yeah. I mean, he, he was a, he's a total asshole. He wasn't completely wrong. Whereas, like. This is a little more rooted in reality, I suppose. Yeah. If you haven't seen this show, it's on Netflix. It's called The Ultimatum, Marry or Move On. Here's the uh, the tag. Getting hitched or call it quits. Couples put their love to the test while shacking up with other potential matches in a provocative reality series. The Ultimatum. The idea is this. There are all these couples that come together and go hang out with Nick Lachey and Vanessa Lachey for some reason. <laughs> Who, by the I way, I feel like you and Sarah should be hosting this I, show. I 100% agree. I will say this. Vanessa Lachey is fantastic. She's, she's great. She's, Has Nick said a word at all? I don't think. Yeah, she is very good at this job. So the idea is that a bunch of couples come together, hang out with Nick and Vanessa. One of the people in the couple has put out an ultimatum to the other one. It's like, shit or get off the pot. Either we're going to get engaged or we're not. Mm -hmm. The idea is all of these people go talk to one another and then they decide to go basically have like a fake engagement or a fake relationship with someone else for three for weeks. Three weeks. And then they come back together and then they live with the original person for three weeks and then I guess they decide if they're going to get engaged or not, maybe go with the you know, the person that they picked. It's bonkers. It is so good. It's also the dumbest. Well, yeah. Let me get this straight. You want to get married so bad that your brilliant idea is to let your partner go fuck somebody else on TV, no less? 
No wonder they don't want to get married to you. You are terrible at making life decisions. Like, how is this a good idea? <laughs> if I was one of the people that, that like, was put the ultimatum on, I'd be like, you know one of the reasons why I don't want to marry you? Because you thought it was a good idea for us to go on a television show and hook up with our people. Hard pass on you, and uh, I'm going to go my separate way. It's six couples total. Yeah. For five of them, it was, of course, the girl giving the ultimatum, like, you yeah. got to marry me or, or you know, or, or leave. And then there was one dude that gave the ultimatum, Colby. which I thought was interesting. Colby. Fucking Colby. Also, worth noting, all these people are, like, 25 yeah. at the oldest. Like, yeah. 23 to 25, which is also hilarious. Okay, but so we first have to talk about these two couples. Okay, well, I mean, I don't want to ruin it for anyone. Should we, discla- should we do a little disclaimer here that if you haven't started it and you care enough about it being ruined, maybe don't listen for a few minutes. I don't know. Yeah, give it. we got two, two minutes on the clock right here. You can uh, hit the fast forward button four times and then you'll be out of the spoilers right now. All right, so we got to talk about these two couples that getting that like get engaged right away, like right away. It's like they have this like social hour where everyone talks to each other, and then these two fucking dudes who no one wants to pick, and yeah. th- then they panic and they're like, "Okay, I got to propose to my girl." Yeah, and they do, and the fucking girls say yes. Oh, yeah. What? It also made no sense because like one of the the ultimatums was like the guy wants to have kids and the girl doesn't want to have kids, but then once like the guy realizes that some other guy wants to date the girl that doesn't want to have yeah. kids, he was like, "Well, you know what? I'll fuck kids. I don't need that shit." <laughs> I don't need them. <laughs> and what's crazy is I thought that girl was really into Colby. I, I really did. I was like, oh shit, like they're really getting it. And she's, you know, going to want to go with him. And then her like lame ass guy comes over and like says, oh, kids don't matter. And she's like, okay, great. Let's get married. Like, it's crazy to me. And then the other couple, it was hilarious because the guy picked like three girls who all didn't want to be with him. Yeah. And then he like panicked and went back to his girl who... I mean, I hate to say it, but she just seems like a Looney Tune. Maybe they're perfect for each other because of that. I'm not really sure. She was the gold digger. Oh, yeah. She was like, you don't make more money than me, and then bye. Yeah, and she's like, marriage is a financial decision. And like, I'm yeah. just going to like, go ahead. And it's like, wow, oh my, you're saying the quiet part out loud, crazy person. And then she started to <laughs> gaslight Colby because Colby was originally like, <laughs> you know what? Like, I don't feel that thing inside. So like, I don't want to waste your time. And she gets upset. And then she comes back. And she's like, well, what really is it? And he was like, oh, I'm not attracted to you. And then she starts gaslighting him and telling everyone that he's a fucking terrible person. And I'm like, this poor guy is just like trying to be nice. Come to find out, though, the character for Colby is like, ooh, I don't know. Insane. Oh, just wait till the end. But yeah, Yeah. there's some psychos on this show for sure. Yeah. That girl for sure. Uh, Also, April, honey. Oh my God. There's a moment later in the show where Madeline tells April, she's like, hun, I love you, but this is going to come off really mean. But like, you have got to learn how to shut the fuck up. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. And April is all drunk and she like takes it as like a compliment. Like, oh, thank you. I love you. And it's like, oh my God. But it's true. I think she gets drunk and she doesn't shut the fuck up. I don't know. There's some moments where she's in the apartment with her guy and she just is talking, 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 talking. It's too bad too because she's far and away the cutest girl on that show. Super cute girl. Yeah. Super cute. Way too emotional though and talks a lot. Yeah. And she got a sad story about not being able to have kids and yada, yada, but anyways. Oh, yeah. All right. That's two minutes. Listen, guys, the ultimatum, it's really good, really bad TV. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it's trash yeah. TV at its finest. Yeah. But. Do you want to know, like, what I don't like about it? And it is, it's the style of the production company that, like, obviously does Love is Blind and I think whatever, you know, whatever else Nick and Vanessa Lachey are fucking hosting. <laughs> But I tell you what, like, really bugs me is 
is the vibe with the music, which makes it feel very much like a bad MTV reality show. Where like all of a sudden they've yes, been, like thrown in that. some like random pop song. Where you're like, what is happening here? Yes. But that's my only complaint about it because it is pretty good. Do you think all the couples will go back to their OG people or what's your prediction there? Are I mean, you far in enough to, to have an opinion? First of all, Colby and what's her name? Madeline. Madeline. Madeline never liked Colby. <laughs> it seemed like she wanted to go fuck somebody else from Jump Street. So there's yeah. no way that one's lasting. The guy that's like a club promoter and he's an influencer with 50,000 followers. He's hot. He's very hot, but he the, is. He's hot. But yeah, he's good looking. But I will say this. He seems so dumb. He seems like the dumbest. You know what, though? I don't know how far in you are. It's hard for me to like gauge. But he there are moments where he gets really vulnerable and gets a little bit emotional. And I'm like, oh, his level of emotional intelligence, I think, is a lot higher than his like street smarts. I'll give you that. He cries a good bit. So I think that like no, that, that that relationship normally like criers that relationship him and the, the his original girl, they might last. Because like, I think her and Jake are like soulmates that happen to find each other on this stupid TV show. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really care. I don't care what happens to any of these people. Honestly, sorry. That's I'm seems, invested. I'm, I'm invested to, to watch the show, but I don't care. I realize don't care what happens to any of them. One of my favorite things about this, this show is that they're allowed to go like basically live with somebody else. But for some reason, like there's a lot of storylines of the guys cooking up with other chicks at the club, which is like. This <laughs> not done a very good job of like kind of wrangling in storylines. It's really hard to talk about something that you, you didn't film. Right. Uh-huh. I also think it's kind of fascinating they were allowed to keep their phones and stuff. It seems like you were supposed to spend three weeks away from your partner, but if you have your phone, couldn't you just text them or call them? Like, I don't know. It was a little weird. But the phone thing has made it a wonderful little wrinkle because everyone's going through everybody's phone. I know. Hey, guys. How do you feel about that? Let's talk about that for a second. Well, this is, I think this is a big thing in some relationships is this whole like, oh, I have the passcode to his phone or my my face is, you know, on his face ID mm -hmm. or whatever. So I can get into his phone at any time. We have this like open trust about phones or whatever. And then there's other people who are very much like you shouldn't even need to look at my phone. You should be able to trust me. You know, it's just like a very, very like opinionated thing within relationships, I feel. And I'd love to hear your take on it. Well, I'm pretty sure Sarah knows my passcode and I know hers. I wouldn't go through her phone, though, because I do think that's a little bit of a breach of trust. But mm -hmm. she doesn't can't find her phone and she like needs to call her own phone. I'm like, just use my phone and call or whatever. But here's the thing. I have had a relationship where I've gone through someone's phone. And I think it's only justified when you find out you're right when they're cheating on you. And that's what happened to me. I was like, oh, yeah, no, this makes sense. And um, I'm glad I went through your phone because because uh, you're a jerk. Yeah. You're cheating on me. I mean, here's my thing. I, I I would feel so uncomfortable going through someone's phone. I do feel like that's just so invasive. But I also feel like if you're in a relationship, the other person shouldn't be doing things that make you feel like you need to go through the phone. And if they are, something's wrong already. Yeah. I mean, don't go through someone's phone unless you think that they're fucking somebody else. And then you can go through <laughs> their phone. But if they're not fucking anybody else, you can't do you, You're in trouble. And you need to never say that. Yeah. And you need to never go through it again, I guess. I don't really know the answer. And that's a toughie. It's it a is toughie. A, it is a toughie because I wouldn't like anyone going through my shit, but also I'm not cheating on anybody. So I know it's tough. It's tough. The problem is that the only time I've ever done it, I was right. Yeah. I don't know. Good stuff. I watched a Zoe Kravitz flick recently. Oh, which one? It's called Kimmy. Oh, I haven't even seen that. It's on HBO Max. Okay. I didn't really know what I was getting myself into other than the fact that Zoe Kravitz is so hot right now. 
Mm-hmm. Not Hansel, so hot right yeah. now. An agoraphobic Seattle tech worker uncovers evidence of a crime. That was a short tag. <laughs> so it's taking place like kind of mid to the end of the pandemic. And Zoe Kravitz plays a tech worker for a company that effectively makes a product that's like Siri or Alexa, you know? Mm-hmm. And the difference between th- Siri and Alexa and this product is that every time that someone says like, hey, Kimmy, can you do something and it doesn't and it doesn't work? Then they have a human go in, listen to what happened, what went wrong, and then kind of fix the code to explain what the right answer would be or the, you know, the right way to fix the issue. So she's listening to a bunch of these requests to Kimmy, which is like their Alexa, and then kind of like fixing the code. And then she comes across one that sounds like a rape and a murder. Mm. You know, it's all about her trying to get the information to the FBI and to, you know, the head of the company. And, and she's also agoraphobic. So she's scared to leave her house, which makes it very hard for her to like take this information somewhere. And I will say runtime of hour 20, which I love in a movie. All right, let's get in, out, on with our lives. Okay. Compelling, kind of a story that we've heard before, but she's great in it. And I will say this, the end, like the last, the last like 25, 30 minutes are fucking awesome. Really? So good. And actually, the cast is pretty amazing. Like Rita Wilson's in it. That's Tom Hanks' uh, wife. Yep. And then Devin Rattray, who everyone knows him as Buzz in Home Alone. And he's oh. back. Buzz is back, baby. Buzz, your girlfriend. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, Kimmy on HBO Max. Go check it out. Really, really that enjoyed it. good. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. No complaints. On my end on that one. We brought it up, I think, last week. Have you started the the WeWork show? We Crashed, I think it's called. No. Have you? Oh, what are you doing? Yes, I've started it. What is it called? We Crashed. This one's on Apple Plus, I think. It's about WeWork. You know WeWork, right? Like no. The like community work. You don't know what WeWork is? I mean, it sounds like, you know, a hand You've never jo- been to a WeWork? Do you live under a rock? Okay. It sounds like some sort of gala to explain how to give hand jobs. Okay, no, I cannot believe you don't know what WeWork is. It was, they were like, WeWork was massive, like, I mean, maybe like eight years ago or so, maybe, uh, maybe a little longer. Basically, WeWork is like a community work place. So it's like a building, you know, usually downtown where you can go and pay like a membership fee basically to have a desk in an office with a bunch of other people that work for themselves or work from home or work from a laptop basically. Okay. And feel like you have some sort of community. Like that's kind of what what it was. And back like eight years ago when people were just kind of starting to to work from home and I feel like people were really – starting their own businesses and like a lot of people were self-employed and doing all that. Like it was so huge because people that didn't have an office had somewhere to go. And like we had a couple – I think we actually had an actual WeWork in Nashville and then this other place called Weld. I don't know if you've ever ever went to Weld when it was open here, but it was the same thing. And what was cool about it is like if you're a photographer, for instance, and you you know pay this membership fee to go and have a desk at, at this place, then you could go and you could probably meet like people that do hair and makeup or videographers or or whatever it is and then end up working together, right? It was like a way to network and mm-hmm. within your community for somebody that just works from home, which I think is a great concept, you know? 
So this show we crashed is about uh, I can't you have to you'll have to look look up his <clears> name. Can you look up the little thing the synopsis? Yeah. Uh, the guy that started it, Jared. He's played by Jared Leto in this show, and his girlfriend who, who he ends up marrying, uh, Anne Hathaway, plays her. Um, she's in real life. She's cousins with Gwyneth Paltrow. That's kind of like the spin they put on it in the very beginning. And it is so good. I mean, Anne Hathaway and Jared Leto are both phenomenal actors, right? So the acting is incredible. It's another one of those shows where someone is literally scamming people into giving them money to start a business and it works. It's crazy. It's like another Ann Delvey or whatever, where this guy who is like, I mean, he has a great idea, right? But he is scamming people left and right to give him money to build this company and he's a fucking genius at it and it is mind-blowing the greed-filled rise and inevitable fall of we work one of the world's most valuable startups and the narcissists whose chaotic love made it all possible we crashed on apple tv plus the tag is a love story worth 47 billion dollars <laughs> nice tag. So similar to this, the Anna Delvey thing in the sense of like this guy, you know, he's from a different country, comes in, he's in New York and he has this idea and he comes from, he has no money, right? Uh, and meets this girl uh, played by Anne Hathaway who I, I, I really like, I'm not far enough in to know if her family really actually has money or not. It kind of seems like they end up really not having as much money as you think they have. But like they get married a couple episodes in and her dad gives them a million dollars to buy a house, right? And and then Adam ends up talking her into putting the million dollars into WeWork because he's struggling. Like it's fucking crazy. But they he does that and she, I mean, she really becomes such a massive part of the I call it the scam, but the business of like building WeWork and all this stuff. But it's so crazy because it was such a great idea and it was so successful for a second. I mean, they had locations all over the place. I even remember years ago when I would go to New York for work, I would stay. They had a WeWork in uh, the financial district and they also had apartments in the building. And it was called We Live. Like they even expanded it enough to be, have like apartments where you could rent, you know, per night, like a hotel or you could rent per month, like, or you could sign a year lease. Like it was the coolest thing. And the apartments were like efficiency apartments. And then there was like a, like a community kitchen and laundry room. Like, so the apartments were very small and then you go down to this like community kitchen to cook and like meet people and hang out. So it was kind of the same concept as WeWork, but to live in. I mean, it really was successful for a minute, and then obviously it crashes, right, and and then goes under. So I'm excited to continue watching it. And there's also a documentary on Hulu about this as well. So it's it's funny how they're doing that. I think the with the dropout also with the um, Elizabeth Holmes thing. It's like Hulu did the scripted ser uh, series, and then there's also the documentary that's out at the same time. So I usually like to watch the scripted one first, and then go watch the documentary. But it's just fascinating to me that like all these companies seem to, to have been built, right, kind of like around the same time where everyone was just scamming people. It's nuts. I know. I have a problem because I've been hearing some kind of weird shit about Jared Leto as of late. and Like what? I mean, he's a weirdo. Well, like he's a cult apparently. I don't know. Um, And then. I can see it. And then like I guess he's like such a me so method that like he's kind of fucking crazy like when he was when he played the joker i guess he sent people like used condoms and like anal beads and huh. a live pig or something like weird stuff where you're like what's happening here uh he's yeah you know, do you google, google jared leto right now it's not a lot of great stuff happening yikes well i met him at a grammy party years ago uh -huh. and there's a picture of me him and my mom and miley that i'll have to dig up to 
for this episode, maybe to put on Instagram. He told us we were all very beautiful. So he was nice to me. Well, I mean, he probably wanted you guys to come to the cult. <laughs> definitely my mom. He was definitely, yeah, oh, definitely yeah. I and Tizzle. I mean, uh, who can blame him, you know? <laughs> so have you watched the whole thing? No, no. I'm like three or four episodes Okay. In. Yeah. It's really good. The episodes are long, is which it, I mean, but I, I kind of like that. Is it ding worthy? I do believe it is. Okay. Thank you. Don't, really, really good. Let's not forget the, the, the one shtick in the show. <laughs> the one shtick we have. <laughs> I watched this documentary about Schitt's Creek called Best Wishes, Warmest Regards, A Schitt's Creek Farewell. Not sure if you've seen that. Yeah, I uh, haven't. I'm pretty sure I watched it on Netflix. And it's basically just a documentary about how Dan Levy made Schitt's Creek, how he got his dad on the show, how his dad was able to get Catherine O'Hara on the show, which was the thing that made that show that show, how it kind of like wasn't popular at all except in Canada, and they had this like grassroots meteoric rise. Is it me is meteoric mean a crazy fast rise or like a mediocre one? I have no clue. I'll look that up. Let's teach the YFT or something if they don't know either. If you use meteoric when you are describing someone's career, you mean that they achieved success very quickly. So it's not a, it's not mediocre. It's a, a, like a meteorite that goes really fast, I guess. Ah, oh, got it. I don't know. I'm stupid. Anyway, so it talks about like the grassroots buildup of the show that turned into like this meteoric rise of fame and success and them winning like every fucking Emmy and SAG award and like everything under the sun and then deciding to end the show kind of right at the year that everyone discovered it in America effectively. It's really wonderful. I've said this before. Like I think that the shows that are great are great because the cast really does love each other. And I think that was true with like Seinfeld and friends and modern family and probably big bang theory. Like those people all like really seem to actually enjoy each other's company. And I think that's a big part of when you're trying to create a really good show. Obviously this show was so great because they were an actual family, you know, it was, mm -hmm. it was Eugene Levy and then his, his son, Dan Levy, and then his daughter, Sarah Levy. And then obviously Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy have been working since they were in their twenties when they were doing like the Canada's version of Saturday night live. And they, of course, did all those Christopher Guest movies together, which are phenomenal. It, like, really pulls the heartstrings in a wonderful way because it talks about the importance that that show had for the LGBTQ plus community. Because the wonderful thing about Schitt's Creek is that it takes place in a town. There's never any judgment within, like, this little town of, like, David Rose being, being queer or even... Stevie being by it's just not uh, addressed mm -hmm. and then like the really beautiful like love story between David Rose and Patrick and like, that scene where he like plays the song for him so they kind of talk about how they shifted the kind of normal TV narrative of dealing with homosexuality in like a completely different way and then it goes into all the people that the show helped like there's this Facebook group for moms who have 
LGBTQ kids and they write all these letters about how the show completely changed their lives and helped their kids and helped them and all this stuff. And you start to see like the how important that show was and how kind of sad it is that it's ending because of like the amazing work it was doing for a very marginalized community. Anyways, uh, I cried like six times watching it. Mm-hmm. Everyone should go watch it. Warm wishes, best regards, a Shit's Creek farewell. Cute. Very good. I would like to just very, very quickly just touch on a little Grey's Anatomy right quick. Okay, let's get into it. I would just like to say that the last time I spoke about Grey's, my uh, my final words were, I need more Nick Marsh. I need more Dr. Marsh because he's everything. And Grey's Anatomy gave it to me, baby. Like ever since then, Dr. Marsh has been a much bigger part of these episodes. I'm getting a lot of Dr. Grey, Dr. Marsh. And honestly, after last week's episode, dare I say, there might be potential that Meredith is going to move to Minneapolis and have a life with Dr. Marsh. And I really like I need that if it's a spinoff, if it's Grey's, if it's whatever it is, I need it and I need it in my life and I need more of it. Please. Thank you. All right. He's so hot. He's so hot. All right. Also, I would like a real life Dr. Marsh. So if you're out there, holla. Holla. Slide into the DMs. Something. You know what I was about the other day? Like, I don't know if you watch a lot of porn. I do not. Enlighten me. A kind of a big thing these days is the step-sibling porn, hooking up with your stepsister or huh. or hooking up with your stepmom. And you're watching this porn? No, or? I'm just telling you, like, it's like the most, like, searched and watched new, like, storyline in the porn world. And it's just fucking weird to me because that's something that I can relate to because I didn't come from a broken home, you know? Like I never had a stepmom or step or a stepsister or something like that. So that was never a fantasy for me. And the truth of the matter is divorce rate is up and this is what's wrong with the country right here. This is a microcosm of what's happening with countries that people aren't staying together and all of a sudden everyone's fantasizing about fucking their stepsister. And it's fucking weird. Am I am I the first person to say this? <laughs> You're the first person I've heard ever talk about it to tell you the truth. Like, this is what's wrong with the country, all right? Stay together, guys. You know, I sometimes I'll, I'll go and look at porn or whatever, and I'm like, man, a lot of oh people are, a lot of people are really into thinking about slamming their stepmom. Like, this is that's weird, bro. I like the classics, you know? Cable guy shows up, doesn't fix the cable, fixes something else. Rad dad. Thank you for letting us know what you're into. Yeah, you know, I like the classic. I like, oh, I like good storyline too. Mm. I, I want to be invested in the characters. Sure. Right. <laughs> Poor Sarah. <laughs> That's all I have to say. Uh, anyway, when does she come home? Can not, she hurry? Not soon enough. <laughs> when your girl's away for a couple months, you know, it's, what am I going to do? Yeah. So, uh, um, stepsister porn, it is for you, I guess. No, I no, I. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> I've got a book. i got a couple books, actually. Oh, I haven't read a book in a long time. I need to get on that. I think you might like this one. I touched on it maybe a couple episodes ago. It's from the same author that wrote The Guest List, which I liked that book a lot, and I talked about it on mm-hmm. this show. This one's called The Paris Apartment. Here's the tag. The Paris Apartment, a novel by Lucy Foley. Jess needs a fresh start. She's broke and alone, and she just left her job under less than ideal circumstances. Her half-brother, Ben, didn't sound thrilled when she asked if she could crash with him for a bit, but he didn't say no, and surely everything will look better from Paris. Only when she shows up, 
to find a very nice apartment. Could Ben have really afforded this? Unfortunately, he's not there. Ben's gone missing. The socialite, the nice guy, the alcoholic, the girl on the verge, the concierge. Everyone's a neighbor. Everyone's a suspect. And everyone knows something they're not telling. The Paris apartment. Good whodunit. Think you'd love it. I talked about it, you know, a couple episodes ago. It's interesting because every chapter kind of like is narrated by a different person in the apartment and I like, like that. their their take on it. Good twist at the end. It's got all the things you need. It's not going to be a contemporary classic, if you will, but mm -hmm. I think you'd like it. Okay. However, I have been reading what I consider to be, I think, a contemporary classic in uh -huh. a new book called A Gentleman in Moscow. Have you heard Ooh. of that? No. From the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Lincoln Highway and Rules of Civility, a beautifully transporting novel about a man who's ordered to spend the rest of his life inside a luxury hotel. It takes place in 1922, and the protagonist is, is a count, Count Alexander Rostov, who is deemed an unrepentant aristocrat by the Bolshevik tribunal, and he's sentenced to house arrest in this grand hotel. He is such a funny, compelling character. He's so witty. He's very, very smart. He's a rich guy, but he's a poet and an author and an aristocrat. But he's stuck in this hotel. It's got shades of a confederacy of dunces where it's kind of like so weird and wonky and funny and, and, and crazy with also combining like shades of the Royal Tenenbaums, even though that was never a novel. But if you could kind of mend those two together, I think you'd find a gentleman in Moscow. And it is so far, I'm only maybe like a quarter of the way through. It's a thick book. It is so funny and so good if you're looking for a modern day classic. Love it. So there you go. A gentleman in Moscow. Check it out. So, uh, I feel weird about asking this question and you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but like your parents are in the news right now. Yeah, they are. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, it's just a fact. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to speak for either one of them, so I don't want to really get into it. But what I will say, I mean, I, I think first of all, I should say like, thank you to everyone that's reached out. I've had a lot of friends reach out. I've had a lot of um, Instagram DMs, a lot from wife to yours actually. Uh, just saying that they're like thinking of my family and I just want to say I really appreciate that support and I know that we have a lot of fans that are fans of the entire family and that means a lot to us. So I think for me, like I'll just say I love both my parents very much. Um, our family is so close and we all really do just support each other and love each other a lot and this doesn't change anything. Um, I think, you know, as an, I'm an adult now, right? I'm 35 years old. My parents are going to make their own choices. They're going to do what they're going to do. And that doesn't affect what our family is to me. Like I still love them both so much and, and we're still going to be a family at the end of the day. And I support whatever is going to make them the happiest. So, yeah. That's all I'll say about that. Man, both of them being available on the market is <laughs> scary. You, you know? going after Tizzle? I mean, listen, if Sarah never comes back from Berlin, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh to stay on the family trajectory here yeah uh young nikki has a new song out that i'd love to play oh yeah 
it's been a minute the young Nikki's put out some new music and she's been playing stuff for me but I've been hearing it for a minute so I'm happy that it's finally out but her new single is called I Burned LA Down she actually filmed a really sick music video for it that's out there as well if you want to go check that out like that sad sad no we always yeah but it's got the americana driving beat vibe to oh, it yeah so mm-hmm. it's like a lumineer song or a mumford and son song yep i remember one of the first times noah went and played like you know a quote-unquote show it wasn't really a show we went down to some like open mic thing in studio city mm-hmm. and I, I think it was called crave cafe or something okay and she sang a vance joy cover mm-hmm. and it's like that you know like that's that was those are a lot of her like og influences yeah. so it's nice to hear that come through in her new stuff i like that she's sad bastard to the core and that is what i am into <laughs> wells's favorite <laughs> i am yeah you yeah. gotta you gotta let her know that i do dig her music a lot i'll, I'll tell her Speaking of Sad Bastard, Sarah sent me this, but I've seen this guy before. He goes as <laughs> his tagline is he's the Jewish Ed Sheeran, which is just <laughs> so great. His name is Noah Khan. Oh, yeah. I know him. You do? Yeah. So this song isn't out yet, but it's so good. And I was, so Sarah sent me this, and I was like, man, the lyrics on this are just bonkers good. So this is just him on TikTok. This is a song called Growing Sideways, and I'm just going to play the whole thing because it's on TikTok, and I don't think we can get in trouble for that. But anyways, mm-hmm. Noah Khan is just so good. So I took my medication, and I poured my trauma out on some sad-eyed middle-aged man's overpriced new leather couch. And we argued about Jesus, finally found some middle ground. I said I'm cured. Divvied up my anger into 30 separate parts Keep the bad shit in my liver And the rest around my heart I'm still angry at my parents For what their parents did to them But it's a start That's a good line But I ignore things And I move sideways Until I forget what I felt in the first place end of the day, I know there are worse ways to stay alive. Cause everyone's growing and everyone's healthy. I'm terrified that I might never have met me. Oh, if my engine works perfect on empty, I guess I'll try. Guy can write some lyrics right there. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So is that it? I think so. Is that it for the 200th episode of YFT? 200. Man. That's it until tomorrow night. 
Yeah, don't forget, tomorrow night on YouTube, we're going to be doing a live with everyone. Hopefully, there's going to be some sort of, like, interactive function. Yeah. We don't really know how anything works, but we're going to show up and make the most of it. <laughs> yeah. If I, I can inject audio into this thing, then maybe it'll be a cool thing to ask everyone what their favorite thing is. Mm-hmm. And then I can play those on the live and that'll be a way to make it interactive. That would be cool. Do we tell them to like DM audio DM us now so that you have those to play? Yeah. Go to uh, if so hopefully this will work. But yeah, go to our Instagram page, the YFT Instagram page and then um, DM us and use voice notes. Do not write out something yeah. because that's so dumb. <laughs> we want to hear your voice. Do voice notes and... It might even be a thing where you can do video. If you can do video, and I might be able to throw that into the live. That might be too hard. Whatever. Do video or that audio? That sounds hard. I know it does. Audio would be easy. Yeah. Well, I think I think we did it. Yeah. I mean, what a run. 200. This song is insane. <laughs> we should be proud of ourselves, you know? <laughs> Me too. I love YFT. Yeah. Oh man! You know, we maybe for episode four hundred we need to go houseboating with all the YFTers. You know, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Go to Party Cove. You get a houseboat. And you yeah. get a houseboat. Yeah. You yeah. get a houseboat. <laughs> you get a houseboat. We can't go to Lake Mead though. I don't think there's enough water in there anymore. So uh, Shasta. We going to Shasta? Sure. Sounds good to me. All right, Great. Randi. Uh, miss ya. Love ya. Miss ya. Love y'all. See you tomorrow night. Tomorrow right, night. Players. Over on uh, YouTube. Check out all the information out over at uh, YFT on Instagram. See you guys. All summer long. Houseboat front porches. Astroturf lawn chairs and tiki torches. Regular Joes rocking the boat. That's us. The Redneck Yacht Club. I'm a good singer. Redneck yacht club. flip flops and a tank top tan. Oh yeah. Take me to the bridge. 10 a.m. That's Bob. He's our president. <laughs> We're chicken so at the girls on the upper deck, rubbing in the 15 SPF. It's hot. Everybody's jumping in. <laughs> Later on when the sun goes down. We'll pull out the jar and that old guitar and pass it around. Last tracks, bayliners, and a party bar strung together like a Mom, trailer park. All summer long. Oh man, man, I hope we, I hope that's the one we get sued for. Fucking redneck yacht club. We might. <laughs> we might. We might. If, if that's <laughs> the way this whole thing ends. Down. That's where this whole thing ends. I'm fine with it. All right. <laughs> God, I'm not. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.